My name is Adashina Koike. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of A Lot of Sports Talk, and this is the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with our website, first of all, go to our website, alotofsportstalk.com. And second, think of the website as a successful football team. Uh, you have to excel in three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Well, our website succeeds because we try to be sound in three phases as well. Uh, the athletes and coaches, sports journalists and broadcasters, and most importantly, our fans. And our website is the perfect amalgamation of the three. Over the past year and a half, we've had interviews with Hall of Fame players, current headliners on the field, talked to some of the leading people in sports media in the country, and also have had a huge chunk of our content from fans who range from being neuroradiologists... He's our soccer fan expert on our site to lawyers. And you'll hear from a lawyer in just a minute. And we don't discriminate. The past month has seen our fans and experts contribute stories ranging from the NBA and NHL playoffs to the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament to the Kentucky Derby and the NCAA Frozen Four. Our podcast is an extension of our website. Each week, you'll hear from athletes, you'll hear from fans, and from journalists as well. So without further ado, podcast numero uno. You'll hear from one fan and one broadcaster. Our broadcaster is Jim Fox, longtime color commentator for the Los Angeles Kings for Fox Sports West. The 2012 Stanley Cup champions are at it again, two wins away from reaching their third consecutive Western Conference Finals, and we talk with Fox about everything Kings leading up to tonight's Game 3 against the Anaheim Ducks. But first, we talk about another team based in the Golden State that's doing very well. The uh, San Francisco Giants, they're in first place in the National League West, and some of the most passionate fans in America are those that who root for teams in the Bay Area, especially the uh, San Francisco teams. One of those fans joins us to begin our show. She's a lawyer out in the biggest little city in America, Reno, Nevada. Her name is Elizabeth Olsen White, and we shoot the breeze about the Giants right now. Hope you enjoy. The San Francisco Giants have the second best record in the National League, 21 and 13. Currently, they're on a 10-game road trip, and they're currently four and two. And the last four games of the trip are doozies. Four games at Chavez Ravine against the arch rival Los Angeles Dodgers, a big series uh, this weekend. And joining us right now on a lot of sports talk is our resident lawyer and huge uh, San Francisco Giants fan. She is Elizabeth Olson White, joining us from Reno, Nevada. Uh, you're officially, I think, our first frequent guest of a lot of sports talk. So I have to come up with some perks for you. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Addie. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well uh, as well. Thank you very much. And so are the San Francisco Giants, 21-13. and 13. I know they, they've lost their last uh, couple of games to the Pittsburgh Pirates, but 4-2 and two in the trip, swept the Braves uh, before uh, going into Pittsburgh. Uh, what's impressed you the most about the Giants so far in the first uh, month-plus of the season? Well, you know, I think that we've got a lot of really impressive things going for us. And, um, and, and then there are some things that haven't quite started clicking on all cylinders. So, um, so the biggest, you know, the, one of the things that I love the most about this year is Tim Hudson. You know, I didn't, I didn't really know much about Tim Hudson before he joined the team this year, and he is just pitching lights out. I mean, the guy's a machine. Um, so we've got him now, you know, now on the other side, we've got, 
Kane, you know, Lincecum's not doing as well. He hasn't really caught fire yet, and Kane hasn't. I think that they'll come along, but um, but in the meantime, you know, you've got you've got Tim Hudson there with I think his ERA is under two. Um, you've got you know uh, Sergio Romo's ten for ten with saves. I mean, he's just he's absolutely lights out. The last time. I actually didn't see this morning's game because I was at work, but I think last night's game, or the night before when he came in, he had uh, 31 strikeouts against two walks, you know, so he's just, he's lights out. You've got Pagan who's hitting over 300. I think six of our nine starters are are batting over 250, and, and three of them are, are floating right around 300. So um, so there's just a lot going on, and I think, I, I meant to go back and listen to my last interview with you a couple of years ago, but... I'm pretty sure I made the point, which is the thing that I just love about the San Francisco Giants, is that it's a different, there's a different hero every game. You know, I mean, we've got some great players, but it isn't like one star and a supporting cast. It's like, you know, this time it's going to be some phenomenal defensive play by Brandon Crawford, and the next night it's going to be, you know, Machi dropping down this just insane bunt. And so, you know, and so every so every day it's like who's going to be the star today, who's going to be the star, and the way the team supports each other and the way they pick each other up is just, it makes it really fun to be a baseball fan. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Machi, uh, one of the relievers, uh, dropping down a great bunt, which led to the winning run scoring uh, as the Pirates made an error uh, on that bunt just a couple of nights ago. Um, which Brandon um, has tickled your fancy more, Brandon Crawford or Brandon Bell? I know you were talking to me off the air about uh, Brandon Crawford and his all-around game, but Brandon Bell hit his ninth home run against the Pirates on Wednesday. So which Brandon has um, uh, caught your eye even more uh, this year? Well, I got to say, I mean, I think that, you know, knock, I'm finding some wood to knock on here, but if he stays healthy, I mean, Brandon Crawford is a is a Hall of Fame baseball player in the making. The guy has got instincts Hall at shortstop. You know, I I think that he'll be in Cooperstown. I mean, his there was a play. I don't know if you saw it. I can't even remember who. Nah, I can't even remember who we were playing. He does he, he does these just absolutely instinctive moves you know he is just he is such an instinctive shortstop that i really do think that he's gonna he is going to be one of the all-time great shortstops um so i'm i'm a huge yes i'm a huge brandon crawford uh, fan now brandon belt um i was really pleased to see i did actually look at today's the stats for today's game before uh, our conversation started and i see that he got two hits today including the home run um you know he's been he came out at the beginning of the season, absolute gangbusters, seven home runs. He was, you know, and then he slumped and he's been, you know, he's, he had two or three weeks there where he was really slumping and he just, he could not hit a fastball outside. And, and it, just in the last two or three games, we can see that he's coming out of that slump. And, you know, you know, slumps happen and, and people are going to come out of them. And, and so it's heartening to see him, getting out of, you know, wherever he's been for the last couple of weeks. And 
And now we're just waiting for Pablo Sandoval to do the same. <laughs> I was just about to, later on in this conversation, talk about Pablo Sandoval and uh, what to do uh, with Pablo with his, I think, 170 uh, for average right now. But before we get to yeah. Pablo and some okay. of the things that aren't clicking with the Giants and what may need to happen possibly, I want to go on the pitching staff. And you mentioned uh, Tim Hudson, and mm-hmm. he's been a bulldog for most of his career in Oakland, in Atlanta, and doing such a great job. Um are you worried? Because last year, what failed the Giants a lot was the starting pitching, which has been uh, kind of a bedrock for the Giants the past few years. Are you worried about the starting pitching and whether it can hold up for the long haul? I, I think that um, it's a concern because, you know, the Tim Lincecum that that I was used to seeing pitching in 2010 and 2011, I mean, it's like, where'd that guy go? Because he's just not... You know, he just doesn't seem to have it the way he did. Although, you know, in 2012, he was kind of falling apart, and then they put him in the in the bullpen, or they made him a reliever in the in the postseason stuff, and he was the hero. You know, night after night, or at least a, at least a few of them. So, um, so I, th- you know, I think it'll come. I think that. You know, we got we're going to have to. He's going to have to turn it around, um, but. But I have a lot of faith in him. And this goes back, I know we're not getting to Pablo yet, but, but I think that, I mean, these guys are good baseball players. And it's not like, you know, it's not like Timmy's gonna have a six point something ERA at the end of the season. And, you know, he's gonna turn it around. And, and Kane, um, who actually, who <laughs> actually cut his finger on, uh, getting a sandwich in the clubhouse a couple weeks ago. I think that's why he's been, he's been off the rotation for a couple of games, cause he's got some kind of finger injury, you know. He'll, he'll be back and he'll be strong and, you know, and Madison Bumgarner, man, he'll just keep hitting slam, grand slam home runs. I mean, he's got more RBIs than, than a lot of the other players. So, um, so we've got, I mean, you know, and, and, and Baumgartner's doing really well, and Hudson's doing really well. And, um, and I think that, and I think, and I think Kane was actually doing pretty well before he, you know, he had some, he had a couple of not so good outings, but then he had some good outings before he went on the DL. So, um, you know, so it's, so it's always a concern because, because the Giants have always relied on their pitching. On the other hand, I will say that the bullpen is really impressive this year. I mean, I think that it used, we used to really have to rely, it always felt like we really had to rely on our starters because you never really wanted to go to the bullpen because you weren't sure if the game was going to fall apart, you know, if, when that happened. And, and this time, you know, I mean, we haven't been, we haven't been given up leads and, um, you know, and our bullpen has been solid and, you know, and like I say, Sergio's just been light, so it's closer. Once again, Elizabeth White joining us on a lot of sports talk, talking San Francisco Giants, San Francisco 21 and 13 on the year. Uh, now we can get to Panda and Pablo yeah. Sandoval. Yeah, he's lost some weight, but um, he's losing points in his batting <laughs> average as well, uh, batting 174. With the Giants playing fairly well, is this a problem that I guess doesn't need addressing until uh, the Giants possibly hit a slump? Like, what would you do or can you do uh, with yeah. Pablo? Is it a wait-and-see type of approach? You know, I think it is. I, you know, you know, I just, I love our TV guys, Crook and Kite. They're just fabulous. And I think it was, I think it was, uh, Dwayne Kuyper a couple weeks ago was saying that when the team is doing well and you've got 
somebody who should be a star who's just not contributing, that's actually a really good sign because you know that sooner or later he's going to start contributing. I mean, you know, Pablo Sandoval is not going to finish this season with a 175 batting average. He's just, I mean, that's just not going to happen. And so, you know, and so he's going to get hot. And and in April, when it wasn't April, we were really hoping it would be May, and it still might be May. But if it's not May, it's going to be June. You know, I mean, the guy's going to start hitting home runs. He's going to start, you know, he's he's going to catch fire. And when he does, I mean, the, the fact that we can be, you know, the second second most wins in the um, in the league without him, you know, just wait till he starts. Now, now if he doesn't. Then, then you got a problem. And I think he was, I think he was really hoping, you know, this is, this is his year to try to get himself a contract for the future with the Giants. And I know he really, you know, it sounded like he was really wanting to do that. And so I'm sure he would have loved to come out and just had a spectacular April and gotten all of that wrapped up. But, um, you know, but I think, I think he will and, and, you know, he lost some weight. I don't, I mean, he probably could have lost some more and, um, (laughs) <laughs> but he's a good player. I mean, he still dives. I mean, some of his defensive plays, for as, for as big a boy as, as he is, you know, he can still dive for the ball. And, um, you know, and it, and it used to be like with, well, now we've got this, um, you know, Michael Morris in the outfield is just doing this tremendous offensive stuff. And then, you know, and then late in the game, they put um, Perez or Blanco out there for, for more of a defensive focus. And they do that on third base, too. They'll start with Panda. And then, and then put Joaquin Arias in in later innings. You know when we really need the defensive moving. But um, but you know that works when Panda's doing the offensive stuff that he's supposed to do. And so far he hasn't been. But I think it'll come. Now I know that you had uh, you were in a training program the last year, couple of years. Uh, would you suggest the same program that you were on uh, to uh, Pablo Sandoval? To lose a bit more <laughs> I'm guessing he's working out. You know, I I think that he's probably he's he's strong and he's agile and and you know and he can run when he puts his mind to it. I think um, you know I will say that it seems it seems like he's walking more than he ever did before. You know, I mean he used to just swing at every single thing and you know and he's getting a little more disciplined behind the behind the um, dish and uh, but I but you know I just think that. I just think he needs to catch fire. And in the meantime, he's still the best teammate everybody's got. I mean, you look at him in the dugout, and the guy is just, his delight in baseball is infectious. And, I mean, that's one of the things that I just love about the San Francisco Giants is you look at the at the dugout, and those guys are having fun, and those guys are into it. And they're, you know, and they're so excited for each other when they do well and um you know and panda's a big part of that because he i mean there's just no there's nobody in any dugout who's more excited about baseball than pablo sandoval and i think that that's a good thing for a team to have again elizabeth white joining us talking san francisco giants on a lot of sports talk and now this weekend series four games at dodger stadium against the arch rival los angeles dodgers los angeles two and a half games back in third place colorado uh just a half game back of the san francisco giants uh can can we put too much stock in a four-game series in May against the Los Angeles Dodgers, or could this series possibly uh, set a marker as to which team uh, will be the pace setter uh, for the rest of the National League West in this 2014 season? 
Well, it's probably too early. I mean, you know, it's it's always nice when your team gets off to a big start in April and May, but but it's a long season. That said, you know, these are big games. These are you know, this is the biggest this is the biggest game for us and it's not just and it's not just because the Dodgers are likely to be good and so we want to get the wins. Um, but psychologically, I mean the the Giants Dodgers is I think I mean I think it's the oldest rivalry in sport, really, in American sport. And um and we take it you know, this is what this is what we gear up for and I know that they would say the same thing and so so psychologically, I mean especially if you know, if we go into LA say say for example, we were to go into LA and sweep them four games in a row, you know. I mean it's only four, and four out of 162 is only four out of 162, but psychologically, it just gets you, you know, every time you win, there's some motivation that comes with that, but for us, I think, I mean, I think that when when our team, when we beat the Dodgers, it's just, you know, it's that same kind of motivation, but it's just on steroids. <laughs> not steroids. Not steroids. I didn't mean steroids. <laughs> no. All right. We we understand what you're getting. Now you can say on steroids here. We're not baseball players, uh, so you're fine. You're fine. Uh, one question that I do want to ask: If and when you see Brian Wilson on television wearing Dodger blue, you can be honest. How many swear words are coming out of your mouth? Oh, I just think it's sad. I mean, you know. And here's the thing: It's like. He didn't choose to leave. I mean, it's not like he's a traitor who up and left us and went to L.A., right? I mean, we, you know, he he didn't get signed, and he was, you know, he was injured, or he's got, you know, his arm is questionable, and so, so I don't, you know, I'm not going to be calling him names, but, but on the other hand, it's like I do remember in 2012, I guess. Um, you know, when, when Roma was our setup guy and, and, uh, Wilson was our closer, you know, here, w- eighth inning would be one, two, three, and then Wilson would come out for the ninth and, oh my God, he'd walk runners and he'd give up doubles and it would just, it turned into this nail biting experience that they, you know, they say Giants baseball is torture and I think a lot of that was, was, you know, Brian making the ninth inning really, really, um, uh, intense and questionable. And, you know, and he usually pulled through and it was great. We won the series. But, um, but I think that with him, you know, once he left and then Romo came in as our closer, you know, now we're back to, if we, you know, if we get into the ninth inning in the lead, it's going to be a short ninth inning and we're going to walk away winners, you know. So I think it's better for the team, um, for our team. And, um, you know, I wish him well. I wish he'd do something about the beard, though. I mean, it was it was it was cute at first, and then it was kind of a it was kind of a shtick, and I get that. But but now he just looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, you mentioned how games with the Giants were torture. They still kind of are. The last was the six games: three two win, two one win, three one win, four one win, eleven ten win, <laughs> <laughs> two one loss. Okay, and a 4-3 loss. Um, yeah. So you like torture, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, and that's the thing. They're, they, I think last year and so far this year, the Giants have the record for the most um, one-run wins and one-run losses. I mean, our games, you know, our games tend to be close, and and I don't know if that's just because you know that our team's mentality is to just 
is to just feed off what we're getting from the other team and keep up with that competition and, you know, whatever. I I'm, I don't know why, but it does seem like they're always close. And I do, you know, I mean, the 11 to 10 was was just a hoot to watch. I mean, we were down by six in the, in the fifth inning, and, and they showed a chart the next day. Statistically, after the fifth inning, we had a 1% chance of winning the ball game, you know, based on whatever statistics they do, and, um, you know, and come back and win it in 12 or 13. And then last night, I mean, you know, the the replay call at home, I'm not entirely sure was the right call. But um, but so be it. I mean, you can't, you actually can't win every single game as much as we would like to. But um, but no, it's uh, it's a it's an exciting team. It's a it's a really exciting team to be a fan of, and. You know, and it's because they're all, you know, you really just do get the sense that, that they're all just really good guys who love playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olson White, our resident lawyer and our most frequent guest, and we will work on the perks uh, for you. <laughs> Honestly, we will. Uh, thank you so very much for joining us. And you, you have to, I know you're in Nevada, but you have to head to AT&T Park sooner or later, right? Yeah, you know, we, we really, we get to one or two games a year. And, um, and I actually had some business in, uh, in San Francisco the, uh, opening day, but I was absolutely sure that my meeting was going to get canceled. And so I waited until the very, very last minute and it didn't get canceled. It's like, oh, shoot, now I got to get a hotel. And I did. And if I had, if I had had any confidence that this meeting was going to go, I would have gone on, you know, and gone to opening day. But <laughs> it was too late by the time. So we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there for a couple of games this summer. We we pretty much watch every single game on television. Yeah, well, you better snap pictures when you're at AT and T Park, okay? Oh yes. <laughs> well, the the one we went to last year, apparent. I mean, Kane was pitching, and apparently he was pitching pitching horribly, and apparently it was just an absolute awful game. And I was so excited to be there, I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's awesome, uh, Elizabeth Olson White. <laughs> Elizabeth White, I'm sorry, uh, people may mistake you for a lost Olson twin. Thank you so very much uh, for joining <laughs> us, and uh, we definitely will talk with you down the road, and we will make sure not to mention about how your sister is a big Washington Nationals fan, and she's on the edge of her seat uh, right now watching the Nationals. But that'll be another conversation for another day. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you so very much for joining us, and we'll talk with you down the road. Thank you, Addy. It's always a pleasure. There may be no hotter team in the National Hockey League right now than the Los Angeles Kings. They've won six straight games and currently are up two games to nothing in their Western Conference semifinal series against their Southern California rival, the Anaheim Ducks. And joining us right now on a lot of sports talk is longtime Kings color commentator and analyst on Fox Sports West, Jim Fox, joining us right now on a lot of sports talk. First of all, Jim, thank you so very much for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing fine, doing fine. Uh, just getting ready for Game 3 and uh, see what happens. Speaking of Game 3, Los Angeles up two games to nothing in the series. I mentioned how they've won six straight games, the first four of the streak, the four wins in a row against San Jose, coming back from a 3 nothing series deficit, only the fourth time that's happened in NHL history. Are you getting the sense that right now the Kings are playing as loose as they've ever played, at least this season, given the great escape that they had against San Jose, maybe a new lease on life, if you will? Well, I think that their approach is very consistent, and that's probably a big strength of their team. Uh, I think it's a group that does rely on a lot of mental toughness. So 
I don't know if I'd say it's loose. I would say it's uh, workmanlike. I would say it's uh, attention to detail. It's something where they all kind of believe in each other. Uh, they understand that they don't necessarily go out and take games away from the other team, but they're a team that very rarely gives games away, and I think that builds a little confidence too. So, uh, as you mentioned, though, six games in a row, of course things are going well. Uh, the goaltending of Jonathan Quick is certainly the, the foundation for the team, but uh, even in the last game, holding on to a lead, that's where the Kings seem to feel the most comfortable. When they, they have a lead, uh, they play with it that way, they manage the puck well. Again, they don't turn pucks over, so if the other team's going to beat you, they're going to have to go through all five guys, and then, of course, finally, Jonathan Quick, too. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan Quick. Compare his play right now, at least in the past six games, uh, to his 2012 playoffs when he carried the Kings along with uh, his defense to the Stanley Cup. Just compare his play right now to a couple of years ago. Well, it's interesting to me uh, because, and, and of course, he was a Conn Smythe winner, so the MVP in the playoffs in 2012. At the same time, I thought last year's playoffs, if I can go back there, he played better than he did in 2012 because in 2012, the Kings, for 75% of the games that they played, they dominated the puck possession. And, you know, slowly, but you know, it's kind of gone away. Of course, that's a big part of their team and a big reason for their success. Again, he's just kind of holding it on and keeping the puck safe and those types of things. Uh, but I actually think Jonathan was better last year than he was two years ago. Take that into this year. Uh, the first uh, three games of San Jose, San Jose was deadly. They were surgical. They were picking corners. They were doing everything, and the Kings were just kind of out of sync. Uh, he, he's been sharp all year. I thought his regular season this year was his most consistent season that he's had as far as bad goals, not having any you know lapses, whether it be a mental lapse and a bad goal. So uh, it's kind of like we're used to it right now with Charles and Quick. When you see a guy play that well for so many games, it's kind of like you take it for granted. Once again, joined by Jim Fox of the Los Angeles Kings color commentator for Fox Sports West. Uh, Marion Gabrick acquired uh, before the deadline from Columbus. He has now 11 goals in 28 games as a Los Angeles King, 25 points in 28 games as an L.A. King. How has he been able to fit in so well with this club? Well, first of all, it's an ingredient that the Kings needed. Uh, they did the same thing in 2012, picking up Jeff Carter, well, the Kings are what we call, I guess, a little bit, um, it's, the offense doesn't come as quickly as some other teams, but um, they needed something to, to spruce that up, a quick strike capability, a one chance goal, that type of guy, and Gabrick was that type of guy. Now, uh, Dean Lombardi, the Kings general manager, talking to him, he's admitted, he said, you know, two or three years ago, they would not have made the move because they didn't feel the team would be ready to kind of embrace or accept that type of player. Gabrick is not a one-dimensional player, first of all. I know he has kind of a reputation as that, but his foundation, he came into the league under Jacques Lemaire in Minnesota, and Jacques is one of the most uh, prudent defensive coaches you would be around, so uh, he knows his way around the ice without the puck, too, but it's just that speed, the back-off intimidation that Gabrick brings, and it's exactly the ingredient the Kings needed at this time. Uh, so uh, with a group of guys that have been together for a long period of time, uh, they can bring a guy in like that, they can uh, respect exactly what he does, but at the same time, Gabrick does not have to be the guy here in Los Angeles. He had to be the, the guy in Minnesota. He had to be the guy in New York. He doesn't have to be the guy. He just has to fit in. I guess uh, you mentioned how Dean Lombardi, the general manager, wouldn't have pulled the trigger on a move like getting Marion Gabrick about three, four years ago. What changed? The experience and the winning. And then to understand that the group that is now together, 
the core group has been together for five years or so. So that's one thing where maybe in the past, when you haven't won yet, you're not ready to understand what a guy can do for you and how he fits into a team. Now, having gone through what the Kings did two years ago, and then even last year making it to the conference finals, I think there's a lot of confidence from Dean that inside the locker room, this group of guys is ready to, again, just kind of bring that extra ingredient in and allow it to fit into its normal spot. A good understanding of what everyone does, a good respect for each other, and the role definition is there. And then that allows you to figure out what you need. Well, you need some more offense. You bring in a guy like Gabrick. Uh, Drew Doughty, the defenseman, one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. He's somehow even stepping up his game even more in these playoffs. I think 33 minutes he played in game one in the wake of a couple of injuries uh, that the blue line for the Kings have suffered. Is this the best that uh, Drew Doughty's played uh, as an L.A. King? Well, I would say that the same thing happened. I know we're going back a couple of years to the cup win, and I guess you always talk about those things because uh, it just seems like the bigger the game, the faster the game, Dowdy gets better, and that's been his reputation. He did that in 2012. I think you could argue by the end of the playoffs in 2012, Drew Dowdy was the best player in the playoffs. I mean, he just slowly got better and better and better. He kept going. This year is the same type of thing, and so many things have to go well, and so many players have to play well. We've talked about Gabrick. We haven't talked about Kopitar yet, but quick, those guys. I do believe, though, that Drew Dowdy has been the best player. I think that the, he does so many different things to control the game and the tempo and what's going on, and Again, he excels with the puck. He excels without the puck. He has a physical element to his game. He's a marked man by the other team, so he takes on a lot of uh, responsibility. But it just seems, again, the, the bigger the pressure, the better he plays. Uh, game two of the series that's currently going on with Anaheim was very interesting for Los Angeles. They scored the very early goal, but throughout the game, the Ducks had control of the puck. They outshot the Kings 37-16, to so there's definitely some things that the Kings need to work on uh, going back to the Staples Center. What are the couple of things that the Kings really need to uh, focus on and work on to be able to put away a very good Anaheim Ducks team? Well, I think just one thing, again, is discipline. You talk about that all the time for staying out of the box. So making sure that if you do take a penalty, it's a penalty that's directly preventing a goal because you don't want to give that momentum to the other team. Even if they don't score, it's, a, it's kind of a rest. It's easy minutes, hard minutes. And when you're on the power play, that's easy minutes. So uh, it's something you don't want to give for the, the Ducks. Um, I, I think, again, uh, you know, having watched the Kings now for a long period of time, especially this group, uh, what happened the other night is normal. It's normal. And to be honest, in the third period, I don't think the Ducks were that dangerous as far as the grade-A opportunity. I think in game one, they probably had more grade-A opportunities. Uh, I think the Kings are extremely comfortable in holding the lead. And when they get a one-goal lead, uh, they know exactly what they need to do. And again, that is making sure the Ducks have to go 200 feet to score a goal. It's not going to be turned over in the neutral zone. It's not going to be turned over at the offensive blue line. You're going to have to go all the way down the ice. So, uh, yeah, you're going to tweak a few things, but I think it would just start with that, that discipline issue of making sure that every penalty you take is directly preventing a goal. And you just want to kind of maintain the momentum and flow of a game and kind of control it. Even if the other team's getting shots, you're kind of controlling the momentum and the tempo of the game because you're in the right position. Once again, Jim Fox joining us on a lot of sports talk. Jim Fox of Fox Sports West talking uh, Los Angeles Kings. Um, how big is this rivalry, this Southern California rivalry between uh, the Kings and the Ducks, it may not be the uh, Red Wings, Maple Leafs, or Bruins and Canadians. Is this rivalry uh, based mostly on actually deeply, deeply rooted hate between these teams? Is it more just because it's the playoffs? So how big is this Southern California rivalry, regardless of playoffs, but definitely now in the playoffs, how big is this Southern California rivalry in hockey? 
I think, in all honesty, it's just starting. Mm-hmm. I think that geography makes it that way, but we have been trying to manufacture a rivalry for 20 years, but neither team had a chance to make the playoffs together in the same year until a couple of years ago. And it seemed to be that one year one team would be a great team and then the other team would be awful in the same year. So this is the first time in 20 years they've been able to get the playoff series. That's what creates the rivalry. We can talk about the geography and you can talk about beat L.A. and how close they are and big cities, small cities. But, uh, and that's part of it. But you've got to play a playoff series. So for that reason, I say it's only starting right now. It's, it's, the, it's the moment where uh, people will say, okay, this is when it really did start. Uh, you know, I think in the last couple of years, it's heated up a little bit because finally both teams were playing late season games that meant something because both teams were going to the playoffs. But this is a chance for it to really get started. Get a playoff series, that's when it starts. Do you think this uh, rivalry will uh, take off in the next few years? I think it looks like both teams are going to be strong. I think the Kings feel the window for them is the next three or four years is there. The Ducks, when you look at their prospects and how they built their team and their foundation, uh, I think they're high, very highly rated there. So it looks like both teams have set a foundation where they're going to have success, and that will continue the rivalry. That's what it's going to be. Big games, late season, playoff series against each other, that's where your rivalry is built that way. Not with one team having a great year and the other team not making the playoffs. It doesn't work that way. You've both got to have good teams, and it looks like the Kings and Ducks will be that. Now, of course, Los Angeles, when it comes to sports, it is a Los Angeles Lakers town now, although the Clippers are doing very well. They're currently alive in the uh, NBA playoffs. But with the Kings winning the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, and now they're making a run uh, here as well, is this is there as much buzz for the Kings in Los Angeles since, I guess, the days when Wayne Gretzky was there? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think it does take a uh, round. You have to win a round first. got to win a round. First round, playoffs, everyone's amped up, but I think you got to win that first round to catch the attention of the non-hockey crowd and the non-hockey media here in Los Angeles. Having said that, I will say this about Kings fans, and I think hockey fans in general, there's no one more loyal than hockey fans. There's no, no one more loyal than Kings fans. They had to wait 45 years for a Stanley Cup, so... Overall numbers, I think everyone agrees. You can look at TV ratings, those types of things. Yes, uh, you know, the culture of Southern California, not necessarily made for hockey. But, uh, again, now that you have two teams that are doing very well, and I'm talking about loyalty of Kings fans, that's second to none. So uh, the numbers don't necessarily jump out at people, but to people like me who are around the Kings every day and see what's going on, uh, we have to thank our fans for the loyalty they've had and stayed with us. Uh, now that you get by the first round, I think uh, other people, and again, the, the mass media does start to pay attention, uh, and that's something that uh, we've gone through now for two years in a row, and we're into our third year right now getting past the first round. So that's very important. And now it becomes uh, that, that foundation that you had gets bigger and bigger and bigger each year, and I think that's where the Kings are right now and uh, trying to get a hold on this market. It's a tough market to get a hold on. There's huge competition from so many different areas, but uh, I think people know who the Kings are right now, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one last thing. When I watch uh, the Kings, and I watch, I believe it's the second line, the Jeff Carter line, uh, which has uh, Tanner Pearson and also has Tyler Toffoli on it, there has to be a nickname for that line, right? I mean, they all wear 70 or 70, 77, 73. Maybe that's 70 show. Like, it's kind of an interesting thing watching them with uh, 70s on their backs getting around. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to put a damper on you. <laughs> I'm going to put a damper on it. Oh, I think I think when people start trying to name lines, that's when it gets. That's I'm old fashioned. It, it happens. It kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and when you try, it's kind of like the rivalry we're talking about. You try to manufacture something. Uh-uh, doesn't go with me. So 
Uh, if they can fill the net, I'm happy, and I'm not going to call them anything. All right, I they will be uh, they will remain nameless. All right, for a <laughs> there you go. As well, there okay. you go. Uh, Jim Fox, color commentator and analyst for the Los Angeles Kings on Fox Sports West. Thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, game three of the Kings and the Anaheim Ducks on Thursday from the Staples Center. Uh, Jim, thank you so very much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk with you down the road. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You made it all the way to the end. Oh, thank you so very much. And honestly, thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. And, of course, we thank Jim Fox and we thank Elizabeth Olson-White for joining us in our maiden voyage in podcasting. So if you like this week, stay tuned next week where we'll talk with more fans and more journalists and uh, hopefully have our first athlete on the show. Uh, we'll concentrate mostly on the NBA, the NBA playoffs going on. And we will also concentrate on the WNBA. The uh, WNBA starting its 18th season next week. The Minnesota Lynx, the defending WNBA champion. So we're going to have a little bit of a WNBA preview. The players to look out for and the teams to look out for in the WNBA. So once again, can't thank you enough for joining us and listening to us in our first uh, podcast. So y'all come back now, you hear? All right, so we can't wait to hear from you. Go to a lot of sportstalk.com and make sure to stay tuned next week for our second podcast, okay? Thank you and take care. <laughs>